honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com and also brought to you by the Oddman Media Network. Here are your hosts, Paladino Joey and Marcus the Forecaster. Logan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It's a pleasure to be back here on Timberwolves Explosion after about a five week hiatus, I believe. Yeah, about five week hiatus from the last show. Apologize for that, but. Well, there really hasn't been a whole lot of news, and then two things happened at the same time on the same day, though it was kind of getting to the advanced stages yesterday, basically, that in terms of Kevin Garnett, who is the main topic of this episode. Kevin Garnett calling it a career after 21 NBA seasons. I will be referring to, so I cite it correctly, just to be an honest media person, (laughs) I will be citing some quotes out of the Star Tribune section from Kent Youngblood, so there you go. I'll be getting the quotes from there, so definitely not trying to plagiarize here. That's not what I'm here to do. <laughs> um, that, this is kind of like you could call it like an extra extra like I did with the Purple Mafia because there was a lot of breaking news at the time. A lot of things happened with Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, stuff like that. I had multiple extras within a couple of days. This is kind of like that, but at the same time, it's not like a big breaking news thing because... You know, it was kind of more of a saga, kind of an ongoing saga during the summer and a possibility Kevin Garnett might announce his retirement. He might come back next year. There was all the people saying he's going to come back next year almost for sure. He certainly wants his money and all that. You know, people always want to bring that part up too. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. But no, (laughs) yeah, I mean, a lot of different issues of that, particularly early in his career and on his exit to Minnesota the first time around. Uh, We'll get to that shortly. Um, I'm going to kind of do a kind of a year-by-year-ish thing with Garnett, not majorly, not sitting and reading stats as much as kind of like, I mean, I have a ridiculously good memory. I remember details, and that's kind of how I roll, you know, well, especially when I go back in history. So this will be, this is kind of similar to the Dennis Green show, the Dennis Green episode with Purple Mafia, Purple Mafia, when I kind of went back in time and went through all the different seasons with Dennis Green and such. Luckily, though, nobody's dying here. That's good. Um, Dennis Green died a bit young at 67, quite a bit young. Kevin Garnett retiring at 40 years old from the NBA. 21 seasons in the league. We'll also talk very briefly about a certain other guy who I think is probably going to end up retiring as well. A guy who's 30. (laughs) 10 years younger than Kevin Garnett. Uh, I think he needs to retire. Well, you probably have an idea who that is, but we'll get to that in a second. Um... Well, I might as well just jump on it now. I mean, again, that's not like a breaking news in terms of like, whoa, 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 Teddy Bridgewater hurt his knee. Whoa, the Vikings traded for Sam Bradford. No, this was kind of anticipated a bit, especially the way things were developing the last few weeks here. Uh, so here we go. Um, kind of an up and down. I kind of have mixed emotions on Garnett over the course of time, but I got to tell you, the first five years or so of Kevin Garnett's career, six, seven years of Kevin Garnett's career, I mean, there was nobody I liked more in professional sports. I just loved the guy, the personality. I had so much hope, so much excitement coming in. I mean, the fifth overall pick in the draft, the first high school kid, I was like, wow, that's kind of different. Hmm, a high school kid. He was the first one in 20 years at the time, and now it's been 21 years since then, and you saw a lot of guys come out of high school until eventually they put the kibosh on that, and Dwight Howard, actually Al Jefferson's uh, draft class of 2005, was the 
the end of that. They put the kibosh on it, so you have to at least be a freshman, which the Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns of the world were coming into the league at age 19. Uh, Garnett was kind of an older high schooler, kind of like the way he started his uh, high school. I guess I was semi-older, too. <laughs> I didn't start high I, did, I, know, I, I started kindergarten at six years old. Garnett did as well, that type of thing. Um, but uh, that's how it was there. Garnett wasn't sure if he was going to make it into college and all that as we start off things. Definitely was a Michigan fan. He really wanted to be. He loved that fabulous, that's fabulous Fab Five with Chris Webber and such. He admired Michigan Wolverines so much, and a lot of people thought he was going to wind up there. So then he takes this test and everything. He declares himself eligible for the draft out of high school, which is like, holy cow. And then... He gets drafted, fifth overall, and then the next day they're like, uh, Kevin, you know that test you took to get into Michigan? Well, you passed. And he's like, oh, wow. Well, I, but I'm drafted now, so I guess I'm an NBA player. Minnesota Timberwolves kind of going on a limb, Flip Saunders, Kevin McHale, watched him work out, and they were just like, huh. Huh. I think we're, we're going to be the first, you know, uh, Flip, Kevin, we're going to, you're going to, we're going to be the first guys to, they basically were talking to each other, we're going to be the first team to draft, uh, we're going to be drafting a high school fifth or fifth overall and um, I just as long as nobody else saw what we saw because when they saw his reach and his ability to his athleticism and his, his, just his competitiveness all the above and the Wolves took him 19 years old the kid it's crazy remembering him as the kid because those of us that are fortunate to be old enough to remember that the kid I mean I, I can't call a 40 year old a kid <laughs> but those of us that are lucky 37 years old in my case are able to say the kid. And it was just the coolest thing ever. I was going into my sophomore year of high school at Hopkins High. I had just left Maranatha, so it was the end of that era for me on to Hopkins High. And there's this young high school who's skinny, high school player who's skinnier than a toothpick joining the Timberwolves. But it's like, huh, well, a guy with this type of talent that's coming out of high school, my goodness, he might end up being one of the next all-stars in the NBA. He's, he's, he, he might end up being better than Christian Leitner, who we had at the time. <laughs> yeah, little did we know what a nice career he'd end up having. But um, those first five years were just so much fun. And I remember I, I was skeptical at first because it's like, well, let's just let it play out here, guys. Come on, stop getting so excited. That's the one thing I've never really liked about this place. People get a little bit too excited. They admire people too much. But then I kind of caught the bug a bit and enjoyed the hell out of it as Garnett during the course of that season. The final year of the Wolves' retro jerseys. So kind of like Jordan in that sense, where the Bulls had their retro, their, their, their last year of their particular older jerseys in Jordan's rookie year, circa 1984-85. Garnett and the Wolves had their, wore the jerseys one last time there that year. And um, second, first half of the year, three points, four points a game. Eh, you know, getting in here and there, showing little signs. Kevin Garnett was still a color commentator on, the on, uh, I believe it was Channel 23 at the time. Um, at least that's the way I knew it because I didn't have cable and MSC, which it was back then, back in those good old, good old days, <laughs> tube TV generation. Um, and Kevin McHale said, I already like this kid. I mean, he is just going to be amazing. And McHale was already the vice president of ops, but he was also the color commentator. It's kind of interesting how that was kind of put together at the time, but they were so excited about it. And then, um, he just continued to develop, and the second half of the season, he was averaging about 15 points a game. His overall stats for the regular season that year were 10.4 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, but he was blocking shots at a nice clip. Seemed like in the early the early years of his career, his shot blocking was better than it became later on. Seemed like he was always late on his blocks, and it drove me nuts. It's like, 
damn, this guy should be averaging three, like two or three blocks a game with his athleticism and his and his defense ability. But it, it seemed like he's more of a shutdown defender than an overall shot blocker type. Always a little bit late on those blocks. And I used to like, damn it, they'd always call goaltending and everybody would be booing. And it's like, okay, guys, put that Kool-Aid down. You put that raspberry, that blue raspberry and lime Kool-Aid down because that was late. I can see it up here in the upper deck. You guys down there and everywhere else. Come on. It's goaltending. Just chill out, okay? Come on. <laughs> he was just a little late. I don't know what it was if he was too far away. What the hell? But, I mean, I was a four-year season ticket holder and loved every minute of it for the most part. Other than the frustration that would come later on here as I move on. But that first year was fun and exciting and, and optimistic. But the Timberwolves had, you know, I mean, you had Terry Porter as a point guard because Michael Williams was never going to come back with a doggone uh, degenerative uh, foot condition, which is, it was more like an arthritic condition where the padding of, and his uh, heel was disappearing. So he later on, after that, he was basically walking on on the, the bone of his heel. So his career did not last much longer after that, despite his, he was such a fun player to watch, Michael Williams, back in those days. But Terry Porter had to start that season. He was a starting point guard, and Sam Mitchell was back from Indiana. That was awesome. Smart additions by Kevin McHale and Flip Saunders, who was the general manager at the time, uh, working together, bringing those veterans in. Just absolute gems for Kevin Garnett's uh, early days. Just fantastic. Uh, I mean, he, he, he can't say enough about Sam Mitchell Garnett during the course of time. But Terry Porter, good too. Both of them going on to be head coaches in the NBA at times, assistant coaches at times. Uh, outspoken was Terry O. Sam Mitchell quite often, but in a fun way. In, in a, you know, good and bad. There's always up and down. You're going to agree, disagree over time, but cool to have them back on board. Kevin Garnett and uh, Christian Lehner. It was just kind of, I don't know, maybe it was like a Favre and Rogers type of relationship. Not, I mean, I don't know you can't really say Christian Lehner is Brett Favre, but just saying it's like, I don't know, it's like current franchise player, Semi. He was kind of our franchise player and all that, but Later on, Christian Lehner got traded that year for Andrew Lang, who didn't want to be here, and Garnett was nice to him and young and all that, and then Stud Webb came in basically to be a salary cap dump at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, it just kind of was what it was in that sense. Garnett getting stronger during the course of that season. Everybody excited about it. Isaiah Ryder still around. So kind of the old crazy, crazy, goofy wolves were still hanging around at that point in time. It was kind of that, that era was about to come to an end the next couple of years or during the season, but you have Leitner traded, so that was a good thing, and the Garnett was starting by the end of the season. It was great to see him on board. Sam Mitchell sat, sat, said, hey, you know what, I'm going to sit down. I'm willing to give up my starting role to Kevin Garnett, and then it just kind of took off from there as he started 43 games in that first season, and he never really came off the bench again until, well, ever. He never really did come off the bench again, did Kevin Garnett, did he? No. He never did. That was it. Never came up the bench again. Not even in his super duper old old days with the Wolves. He still started even though he had minimal minutes and <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets and all that. But uh, that next year, though, you still needed a point guard. You needed a dynamic guard. The Wolves made a move that made us so excited. I mean, you, okay, Ray Allen was the projected pick, and he was the pick. Ends up being a, you know... Well, it was an optimistic thing for us. Okay, a nice shooting guard can who who can who can get the job done, keep the defense honest. Little do we know how good Ray Allen was, would be and how stable his personality was. <laughs> but you bring in Marbury and just the excitement, just the oh my god, oh my god, and these guys are oh they're best friends. You know how that always is. Everybody says they're best friends, and you don't know Jack Bleep about if they're best friends or not. But they got along before they were drafted. They knew each other, Garnett and Marbury. 
Marbury from the New York, obviously uh, the Coney Island kid in Garnett's Malden, South Carolina, but he played his last year of high school in Chicago. Uh, Chicago, right, for Farragut Academy High School. But um, just the excitement coming in, the kids, I still remember getting the little thing in the mail. It was just, you know, an advertisement. It wasn't because I was a ticket holder or anything. I think because we got a, a ticket during the years there. But uh, we got the thing in the mail saying the kids and Marbury was still wearing his Georgia, Georgia Tech jersey. Uh, oh my God, it's so exciting. Now we have two stars of the future. Just the excitement just took off. And then you see Marbury perform and he hurts his ankle right away. Doggone it. But then it's just the excitement of the two of them together. I think you have the next, you know, the next Stockton Malone. That's what everybody called him. Maybe the next Magic Kareem. Oh man! And then the next year, they both get better. Garnett becomes a Garnett goes from an okay rebounder to a better rebounder, just continuing to develop. And he and Marbury developed, and it, just the excitement of these two together. Oh my God! We have a dynasty, man. We have a dynasty. <laughs> You're coming in Minnesota. At least that's what I thought. Oh boy, because I was drinking that raspberry Kool Aid. I didn't. I mean, but you kept reading the articles, Marbury, all that, about going back to New York, and it just was like you just knew something was was looming there. But Garnett just pressed on. He was the best player on the team. He hurt his ankle, missed five games the first season, and just played all the rest, and he would continue to play as many games as he possibly could for a while there. Played all 82 the next season. Boy, oh my God, the Wolves, they made the playoffs that first year for the first time in franchise history, and I was hoping and hoping Garnett would be this winner in the postseason. But it just seemed like he's too young and you're going against this veteran team in Houston and they pretty much wall up the Wolves in three games. But the next year, the Wolves take it a bit further even though Tom Gugliotta suffered the injury. Oh man, suffered the... the uh, he had bone spurs in his in his ankle. It wasn't the ACL until he went to, to uh, Phoenix later on. But um, mm, the Wolves still survived. He had Sam Mitchell in there who just brought the IQ up and so much excitement. With this, with this duo, Garnett and Marbury, could this be something special? The Wolves take Seattle deep, but they don't finish the job. They don't win the game at home. They are up 2-1. to one. Oh, what a bummer. And then uh, Marbury, <laughs> Marbury and Garnett going into the fifth game in Seattle. Unfortunately, the Wolves don't win that, but still, oh my goodness. Now, what's going to happen this next year? Here come the Western Conference Finals, baby, after all that. The Wolves taking Seattle deep, the, a, good, a good team and all that. We're going we're to take them out next year. And the Wolves played well against Seattle the next year, and you felt good about it, uh, optimistic, so excited. Marbury was even better. The lockout season, though, the anticipation, you had to sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. What's going to happen with this? I can't wait to see Kevin Garnett again. How much better is he going to be? Oh, my God. How much better is Kevin Garnett going to be coming into this year? And you, oh, <laughs> And the lockout just makes you sit and wait forever. And it's like they were even better. And they were beating just about everybody, it seemed like. It was so cool, the strength of these two guys. Even though Gugliotta left for a free agency, Garnett was ticked off about it. He's like, there has to be more to this than just he wanted to go to Phoenix. There has to be more to it. And of course there was, because he didn't like Marbury. <laughs> oh, the Garnett, Gugliotta, and Dean Garrett, the G-men. It was so much fun to watch those guys together, those, those first three years together. Uh, particularly the two, actually, with with uh, Dean Garrett in 96, 97, and 97, 98. Dean Garrett left for three agency. Gugliotta left for free agency. It's kind of sad, but it is what it is. Um, I won't even get into Joe Smith now because it's, it's kind of dragging too many tentacles in this. It's more about Garnett here, but it's just the excitement of the, at the time. I'm leading into the excitement at the time and how things would change so quickly. And, and you go from this incredible promising future to 
a stagnant future. Um, as Marbury, just he would not let the whole New York thing go. I mean, he just, you just don't understand why he had to get let jealousy with Kevin Garnett get in the way at the time. He didn't, I mean, nobody understood it. And Marbury, of course, demanding a trade. Why? Because he's like, I don't want to see you guys get googed, so you better trade me. Googed isn't googliata, leaving without any compensation, regardless of what the rumors may have been, what the Wolves would have gotten if the Wolves traded googliata to the Lakers. The rumors back then, Eddie Jones and Eldon Campbell. That would have been a hell of a duo there. You get Campbell to play center and Eddie Jones to be the shooting guard. Damn, that's pretty good. Doesn't guarantee anything because nothing is a guarantee. There's no guarantee that Kevin Durant and the Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. There's no guarantee. I mean, you could have a thousand stars on your team, but there's only one basketball, right? So look at it that way. Um, but that could have been a fun group. Wolves didn't do it. Uh, the Wolves end up trading because they had to. The most what we saw as the most I mean, by far the most dynamic guard in franchise history, a guy who could cross people up like no man's business. It was unbelievable. I still remember Marbury's unbelievable double crossover in the preseason. Just shocking, a beautiful play, and like what a future this team has. Marbury bolts, Garnett knew what was coming, the Wolves had just beaten Seattle that night, and he jumped on that scores table and was swinging his arm in the air, and it was kind of like he was sending a message, regardless if this son of a bitch, who can't let go of his jealousy, wants to leave, we're going to still win, we're going to still be a great team, and blah blah blah, we're still going to be okay, that's basically what Garnett was saying without saying and, of course, Marbury's traded. You bring in Mr. Mediocrity, Mr. Smiley Face, Mr. $60 million. <laughs> yep, which was a lot more money against the salary cap at the time back then. Five years, $60 million for Terrell Brandon. Later on, uh, the Wolves would re-sign him after he looked so promising. But, hell, it was a contract year for Terrell Brandon. He was getting all these steals and was aggressive. And then he gets the contract, and it was just, uh, let's chill. Let's just chill. Everything's going to be fine. That's basically how Terrell was. And you're just, and it's like you could just see the frustration with Garnett. The mediocrity would take over. We'd win 50 games. We would win 50 games year in and year out. It seemed like, but it was never enough, and and it, it was just so frustrating. Um, but that first year when Mar- when uh, Gar- uh, Marbury left, the important thing I'm trying to get that I'm going to get to right now was. You saw a fire out of Kevin Garnett during that time that made me believe he was going to be a really clutch player in the fourth quarter because he was incredibly clutch during that that run where the Wolves did get into the playoffs. And they made things interesting against the Spurs for a little while, and Garnett was talking down to Tim Duncan, a relationship that would be very, very dynamic in a bad way between Garnett and Duncan for the longest time, where Garnett would basically be screaming at Duncan. Duncan would finally start to respond, and you'd see ejections and technical fouls and such. Other than when Duncan would just kind of look at the scoreboard and smile just to taunt Garnett. Uh, they wear the same number. They play the same position. It was a pretty fierce rivalry between the two players. And Garnett was pissed off because he didn't have the players Duncan did. And it was such an unstable situation in Minnesota. But Garnett went from a clutch player that year into the following years. where It seemed like, the, it seemed like he got... This is the side that is going to upset some of you from Minnesota and some of you abroad as well that really admire the guy. But it just seemed like Garnett did not want to be the guy in the fourth quarter. He would say, come fourth quarter, bring it to the ticket. But ladies and gentlemen, anybody can say that. It was the actions. I was a season ticket holder, folks, and I watched it. These years, these coming years here when Wally Zerbiak came in and those two guys 
I mean, I was at the public scrimmage when Wally came in. You know, that's still from the Marbury trade. The, the other Pete's from the New Jersey Nets. Martin Shukar is now the Brooklyn Nets. You get the idea. Um, they looked like they were going to get along. It was really positive. And then it just went straight downhill after that. They just seemed like they never got along. And that was frustrating. So Garnett never liked Wally. Terrell Brandon he was okay with. But I, I don't know if it was that great. <laughs> And you always had the salary cap situation with Garnett's uh, contract. That was where the other frustration came in, and that's what helped piss off Marbury back coming into that third season, 97-98. Kevin Garnett again, the 126 for six years. And that kind of set things into the lockout in the first place. I kind of jumped ahead there, but you get the idea. Got to come back for a second. You said uh, it set things in motion for that lockout, and he was saying, you can't blame me for it, but play me for the lockout, but well, I mean, it, it didn't help. It didn't help the situation. It was by, it was the highest contract ever by a, by a wide margin, and they were getting worried about how things were headed at the time. Little did we know a gigantic TV contract would come many, many, many years later, but yeah, we can't really, we, we couldn't really think about that back then. <laughs> but um, it's stuff like that. It put the team in, in salary cap stress. That was the frustrating part, and of course the jealousy and such led to Marbury's departure. Um, and then Garnett went from a guy who appeared to be clutch in the Marbury days. He was clutch a bit. Marbury was more clutch at the time. Uh, he still was more clutch, but Garnett was showing signs of it as well. And then it just vanished. I, I don't know what happened. Going into 99-2000, his numbers went way up, and it's like, oh my God, he's going to be a league MVP, and Garnett ended up finishing second to Shaq that year. What a great season. And then it just seemed like, what the hell? It just seemed like, see, he would try hard. He would say all the right things. The effort was always there. The defense was phenomenal. The great dunks, the energy, the passion. It was all there, trust me. But the killer instinct wasn't. And it just just made me scratch my head and it drove me nuts. He would miss free throws at key times. He would, he would, and whenever you give him the ball in those big moments, it would always seem to bounce out. He just, he just would never hit it. He would hit a couple. He hit a game-winning shot against Detroit, but again, that was when he was more clutch, when Marbury was still around. That was fun. Um, but Detroit was mediocre at the time, too. you got to remember that. Uh, but uh, it was weird. It seemed like he stopped being the clutch guy. Again, 2010-5, but it was like 21-12 and, uh, and 5, that type of thing. Beautiful stats, fantastic, but it just, the killer instinct wasn't there. He wasn't that go-to guy, and it was so damn frustrating for all of us here in this town. Not about the money, but about the leadership. Our, our, if you're the franchise player on a team, fans are hoping. I mean, it's not even like I'm sitting here demanding it, but I'm hoping and praying we can count on you to hit the big shot in the games, and it seemed like he didn't want it. That was frustrating. He'd seek passes to Anthony Peeler, Dean Garrett, and big and playoff games on the road, he would give up the ball to those guys in, in big moments, and it was so strange. It was weird. I, I, I didn't understand it. And years later, you'd see articles from Kevin Garnett, about, or Kevin Garnett would say, well, if you don't want, I mean, if you, you, if you, if you expect me to be the go-to guy in the fourth quarter and, and I'm not feeling that for you, then bring in somebody else. That's kind of what he was saying. And it kind of bugged me. Uh, I, I couldn't believe I was reading that. Um, and again, I'm not here to bash Kevin Garnett. I'm just here to give you the full story, folks. you got to hear the full story. I think here locally, people look at Kevin Garnett like a god. And he's not a god. <laughs> Michael Jordan isn't a god. But in NBA terms, 
he was as good of a go-to guy as it ever was. And, you know, certain guys have been, are great go-to guys. And there's a separation between the Garnets and the Kobe Bryants and the LeBron Jameses of the world and, of course, the Jordans. <laughs> and, you know, there's a separation. Some players are clutch and some aren't. And that was the frustration for myself because I wanted to win so freaking much. I wanted Kevin Garnett to be the best player in the history of the planet. I, I, I really did, and I thought he had the tools possibly to be that, but he didn't have the killer instinct, and that's what was missing. But after those two seasons when he was 25-26, averaging 22 and then down to 21 points a game, it was so frustrating and like less and less clutch. Again, late on the blocks. Again, well, you know. And then all of a sudden, in 2003 when the Wolves brought in Troy Hudson because Chauncey Billups ended up leaving as well. We just lost him right away. As fun as Chauncey was to watch, we lost him right away. And of course, the whole Joe Smith BS that took place. That was really frustrating. 0201. Or excuse me, 0102. <laughs> went backwards there. The whole Joe Smith fiasco, which all went ape crap. It was even more depression for all of us. All of a sudden, Garnett that next year, 20, he, he, was, he finished second for MVP again. He was right there. Ended up going to Duncan that season. 23 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. He was unbelievable. He was just a different guy. Seemed more aggressive. Again, not clutch in the fourth quarter, but certainly was aggressive. And the Wolves gained home court advantage for the first time in franchise history, but they drew the Lakers, and we knew it took place. That was when the uh, playoff format went from a five-game best of five to best of seven. The Wolves ended up losing in six. They take a 2-1 lead and lose the next three. But then the next year came. That summer, the fun uh, took place here with Garnett. Okay, now we can see what Garnett's really like when he has real teammates. Troy Hudson and Rod Strickland were cool to have around that year. I mean, Strickland was cool, nice veteran. Hudson was better than people thought uh, coming in. I thought he was just a spark plug off the bench, which ended up not really is all he is, but he had a good year that year. Um, but then you bring in Sam Castell for Joe Smith. It was like, wow, and Anthony Peeler. You get rid of Anthony Peeler, who drove me crazy, drove, drove most of us crazy, because he wasn't reliable, and the Wolves relied too much on him, just like many years later with Berea and, and Luke Ridenour. You rely too much on a guy who's not supposed to be relied on in those situations, you're going to get screwed most of the time. And that's what happened. Um, but now you got Sam Gassell. And then, and then you make it, and then, but then you still have Terrell Brandon who had to retire because of microfracture surgery. And that's a massive uh, cap recovery for a team that would take him. Maybe we absorb it and just absorb the salary. Or you trade for a big-name player. And the Wolves ended up being Latrell Sprewell, which I was a little worried about at the time because he was already going, getting pretty crazy there in New York. Things were going really sour for a reason there. Kind of a bad attitude. We bring him in, though, and the optimism's off the charts. So much excitement. Now let's see Kevin Garnett with players that can really play. And then Kassam Gassel was the most clutch player the Wolves ever had. Even more clutch than Marbury. And the Wolves win 58 games. Kevin Garnett's the MVP. Averages almost 14 rebounds. 24 points. Unbelievable. Five assists still there. And his blocks were up to 2.2 a game. And Garnett coast to the MVP trophy that season. And everyone in town loving it. So excited. Garnett's just entering his prime. And he was on a streak of games played. Just an incredible run. The guy's just an Iron Man. Like, uh, there was a three-year span where Garnett would always sit out the final game of the season, so basically he'd play the whole year. And then three years later, he'd play all 82 games, including that MVP season, where the Wolves again won 58 games and won the division championship, and there was so much optimism. But then Sam Cassell's back goes out on him, and he, even though the Wolves survived to the second and third round, and then the Lakers again, and it's a 2-1 to one lead for the Wolves, and they go down and lose in six games, and 
After that, for Garnett, everything really went south quickly. Castell and Frio all weren't happy, and Garnett was in tears as he was talking to Thompson, the former uh, Georgetown coach. It, 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 it was uh, John Thompson, pardon me, I was almost blanking there. Um, he had tears in his eyes in an interview with John Thompson. He's, I'm losing, man, I'm losing. And it seemed like after that, everything kind of went downhill. Garnett was still a good player, but the clutch, the, I mean, it seemed like he was less and less clutch again. But I, at the same time, the team wasn't winning and wasn't a factor, and you could just sense his frustration and all that along the way. You felt bad for him. It was hard not to, but at the same time, there was a side that was frustrating where whenever Kevin Garnett wanted somebody on the team, the Wolves would sign them to big, huge five-plus-million-dollar-a-year contracts, five-year contracts, Trenton Haskell, Troy Hudson, guys like that. Even Joe Smith, you brought him in for a big contract when you brought him back. Uh, and, and and it was just, it was a huge... <laughs> It was a huge problem when you, with the salary cap, and it drove people kind of crazy. And you had Garnett's contract, you had the other guy's contract, eating up the cap space. So the Wolves really couldn't. They, it was it was hard to make trades, hard to because uh, nobody's going to want Troy Hudson. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard to make trades, hard to make uh, free agent signings. You, I mean, thank God for the mid, the mid level exception, but that ended up being mistakes every year too. Guys that would be good for one year and they'd kind of suck after that. That's kind of what seemed to happen. So the frustration with Garnett there was, of course, the the not only his salary but all of his buddies on the team having to have their big salaries as well. It's the only really way to keep them, and they would take advantage of it. Like Garnett wants me here, so you better give me as much as possible. Ha ha! And that's kind of basically what kept happening over and over and over again. You got to, they got to do what they can to keep them around, the trend and hassles and such. And the team wasn't winning anymore. And most people in this town, the thought of trading Garnett was less sacrilegious, but it just kind of seemed like they had to at the time. And when the Wolves did trade Garnett to Boston, it was nothing but animosity. Uh, Garnett was pissed off at uh, Kevin McHale for always, or for going on a cruise or whatever. That seemed like he was more interested in going on a cruise than making trades to make the team better. Um, who was at fault? It was like, you know, you could say they all were. Uh, Glenn Taylor was too loyal to McHale, um, and then he would get a little bit too outspoken about Garnett when he didn't need to be necessarily. Garnett was at fault too, though, having those players on the team, and it seemed like he, uh, you know, it seemed like he was tougher to be around for, for a lot of the a lot of the people there. At the same time, the media and and some of the you know, some of the some of the the leaders of the team as well, the leadership off the court, that type of thing, kind of a tough situation for everybody. The whole relationship soured. It was kind of like it almost had to happen. As much as Garnett did not want to leave because the fans beloved him so much, but then you saw Garnett go to Boston, and it was like the best team ever. <laughs> it was the perfect mix. It was the mix we never had. You had Sprewell, who was good but out of control and stupid. You had, <laughs> you had Paul Pierce, who was really clutch and the leader of that team, instead of Sam Cassell, a guy who you, you know was going to be there and not going to be worried about this and that, not going to get pissed off at the coach. It was a perfect mix, and you had Doc Rivers, who was a very stabling guy and a great defensive coach, and the Celtics just coasted to that championship. They just rolled. I mean, they rolled to that title, and it was the most fun team I ever watched since, I, I mean, since the Bulls, easily. I mean, the team... The chemistry it was just the most beautiful thing you ever saw. 
And even though I was kind of mad at Garnett a bit for not being clutch and seemed to like he'd always come up with excuses to not take big shots and the contract and all that, my frustration was getting to me the last few years Garnett was here. Um, I, 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 I was just overwhelmed with emotion when Garnett got that championship in Boston. Um, there were some people that didn't want him to win, but I certainly did. And I know a lot, just about um, most of the regular Timberwolves fans that were Garnett uh, apologists in this town wanted him to win that title, and it was a beautiful thing. Garnett certainly didn't have to shoot as much. His role wasn't as high. He didn't have to take the big shots, and it was just the perfect mix. He could play that Scotty Pippen role for the Celtics, and he played it very well, and he won his first ever Defensive Player of the Year award when other people could say that uh, Garnett probably should have gotten one or two when he was at the Wolves, including in his MVP season. But he did get the Defensive Player of the Year for that team, and they and he got his first title, and he was overrun with emotion and top of the world and <laughs> anything is possible. One of the most famous uh, sayings of all time out there. Um, that's what it was. Uh, it is what it is, right? It was it was awesome, fun to watch. And then all of a sudden, the next year, the Celtics team looked like they're ready to go out and win it again. And then Garnett hurts his knee, and he's pointing to the bench. Whoa, 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 come, 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 come. You know, come over here and help me out of here. And Garnett never saw the court again. Oh, just so sad. <laughs> but then you saw the bad side of Garnett where he was screaming and trash-talking the Bulls the whole game to a point of, like, it was kind of silly, kind of childish. There were there was a bad side of Garnett uh, and that, you know, that we didn't see when he was a wolf because we were blinded. But then you saw it more when he was with Boston. The trash-talking, the yelling. I mean, trash-talking sometimes is okay, but when you go overboard the entire game, it gets to be a bit much. Um, it was too bad the Celtics could not overcome the Orlando Magic that season, but without Garnett, you know, it just wasn't quite the same. And then it seemed like his knee would plague him the next year or so. But then in 2012, the Celtics made another run, but Garnett was already 35 years old. And Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, 35 years old, 34 years old. And they just could not keep up with LeBron and the Heat that year, who were definitely on a mission, much to a lot of people's chagrin. Not mine, but a lot of others out there. Um... And then it just was kind of a decline from there. Boston kind of continued to drop off. Garnett's skill level continued to sl- continue to in its decline because he was getting old. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing how quickly time flies. You know, a, a career as long as it was, as he went on to uh, Brooklyn, he went, played one more year in Boston again, as I was saying. They got to the second round after they, they but they couldn't survive losing in the first round to the Knicks. It's like the Knicks trying to do the funeral thing. Remember that stupid crap? And then the Knicks got destroyed in the second round. So it was like, screw them anyway, even though the Celtics couldn't... uh, They just couldn't get past the first round anymore, and they had to trade away everybody, and Garnett went to Brooklyn, and Doc Rivers went to the Clippers. Oh, goody for him. Paul Pierce and uh, Garnett both to to the Brooklyn Nets, who weren't... I mean, they had all these big names, but they were all too old, and that team was just not going to win anything. Unfortunately, Garnett went from a guy who could average at least 15 a game to 6.5, and that's when he kind of became the guy that you saw in Minnesota for the most part. A guy who, you know, would play 20, 15 to 20 minutes in his final seasons in the league, 6.6 rebounds, that type of thing. An occasional exciting play here and there, an occasional explosion, like Timberwolves' explosion, right? <laughs> Him and Dwight Howard getting in an argument, and Dwight kind of pushing Garnett aside, probably saying some stuff that Garnett did not appreciate, and then Garnett headbutts the guy and gets kicked out. It was pretty fun to watch. That was right before Garnett ended up coming to the Wolves. And then Flip Saunders 
I mean, I mean, Garnett started started clips on and Garnett behind the scenes were having conversations, cell phone, you know, calls, texts, whatever the heck people do. Obviously, you know, I mean, mostly that calls and texts. This was, uh, of course, 2013-14, the 13-14 season. And all of a sudden you see an article that Kevin Garnett wants to buy the Timberwolves. I want to buy the Timberwolves. And that was back when he was still with Brooklyn. And it's like, what, what, what the hell? Kevin Garnett wants to buy the Timberwolves? Huh. And there were all these rumors that Mikhail, uh, Taylor might sell the team soon. Flip came back. I mean, just imagine. It was just like old times again. Flip Saunders is the coach. With the Wolves, they're not the coach, but the was the president of basketball operations. He become the coach later, but it's like, yeah, actually, he was the coach. I'm getting all mixed up. Pardon me, um, I'm getting mixed up in my years here. Yes, yes, Kevin McHale, Flip Saunders was the coach already. How crazy was that? And they're having conversations behind the scenes. Would you be willing to come back, right, wave your no trade clause, come back home, despite the fact we gave up a number one pick to get? Uh, <laughs> that is, yeah. Well, I mean, the Nets would like him, you know, that type of thing. That is young for Garnett. It ended up being Garnett did, was willing to waive his no trade clause, and behind the scenes, Flip Saunders probably said, "Hey, you know, I'm a part owner of this team, and I'm pretty sure Mikhail and I can work something out where you would be a part owner of this team, and maybe later on, we work together and are the main owners of the club uh, when when uh, Taylor wants to sell, which probably isn't too far away. That type of thing, as he's in his seventies now." And Garnett all of a sudden said, you know what? Why not? Why not end things in Minnesota? <laughs> Why not come back? The fans still love me. And I'll just kind of tell Glenn Taylor to keep his distance from me. Because basically that's how it was. Garnett did not like Glenn Taylor in the end with some of the stuff Taylor would say after Garnett left town. Um, and that's how... And the trade worked out. And everything is cool. But Flip Saunders is back. The Wolves... Already have Andrew Wiggins and Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is kind of like the captain and all that. Garnett's back in town after all those years that he was here and then comes back several years later again. Pretty old guy, not the same, kind of limping around a bit, but still still, still shows flashes of what he was here and there. Then he only ends up playing five games, but at least he was still around a bit, I suppose. Kind of behind the scenes more. And then Flip's dad dies. And Flip had tears in his eyes as the Wolves at the same time. It's like Flip uh, would say that uh, his his father brought the Timberwolves luck to get the first overall pick. He bring in Carl Anthony Towns. A lot of people think Towns and Garnett, what a perfect combination. They work together. Now you get the new Garnett, hopefully a more clutch version this time. <laughs> and I'm not here to bash him, I'm, I promise, okay? I mean, I yeah, but I have to give you the honest story because he was not clutch. And if you tell me he was clutch, you're wrong. You, you know you're wrong, okay? So just be honest about it. Please be honest about it. Um, but you bring him in, the, the, the energy level, the excitement, the future seems to be coming back again. And you have Garnett behind the scenes. They all love him and such. Of course, Flip Saunders gets sick and dies before Carl Anthony Towns even plays a game for the Wolves. Just dep- so sad, so depressing there. And then the uncertainty begins. And it's kind of similar now to... Maybe not as sour, not as sour as 2006-7, the summer of 2007, when McHale went on his cruise. <laughs> when, that trade to Bo- when Garnett was traded to Boston for Al Jefferson and such, who was okay here. Um was okay, but not a franchise player. Um, 
But then the uncertainty happens. Is Garnett still going to be an owner, or is this all going to go by the wayside? And Garnett kind of seems to sour a bit. He played 38 games last year, and it was fun to watch. He has the dunk of he has one of the, he has the best dunk of the season, pretty much for the Timberwolves, other than Carl, a couple of Carl Anthony Townses when he's doing windmill jams from like from like coast to coast against Memphis. That I was at that game, just spectacular. How amazing was it for me to go back to the Wolves? Uh, to go back to a game, which I tend to just stay home and watch them now, so I can do the show, it's just easier for me, that type of thing, I can analyze better than being at the game, but I went to the first game I'd been to in a while, and it was just crazy, Garnett's back on the Wolves again, how weird was that, I was actually seeing him play one more time, <laughs> and and then Carl Anthony Towns turns in that coast-to-ghost play, just crazy stuff, um, and that's like Garnett, but in a different form of Garnett, it was so exciting, but, I mean, obviously, a lot of silence from Kevin behind the scenes. Not Certainly not as talkative as he was the year before, like all excited he was, and the joking around about, am I going to be a coach? Hell no, hell no, nah, that type of thing. With Sid Hartman, <laughs> talk about old guy there. But, <laughs> but, yeah, joking around about that. And then he got all quiet, obviously, after the flip passing. I mean, it hit him hard, very hard. Garnett's a very emotional guy. He's been through a lot in his life with friends dying, including Malik Seeley, which I didn't even mention. I mean, that's another thing that really was depressing. After uh, it was the uh, 2000-2001 season, not only do you lose Joe Smith because of the uh, the whole situation uh, with uh, the, the illegal contract, but then you have Seeley die in a car accident. Unbelievable. That type of thing as well. I can't believe I didn't even mention that. But, I mean, it's just one thing after another. Garnett kind of went from a fun, exciting guy to a kind of a quiet, reserved, distant guy. And it just continued, and then he was even more distant this year after Flip's death, including the uncertainty about the ownership. It's like everything kind of seemed to kind of go out the window there. And next thing you know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Aside of what took place and such, look at the team Flip put together here. Look at the team he put together. You got Wiggins and, and Towns and such, and, and Levine. <laughs> and you still have Gorgie and Muhammad. I mean, my goodness. You have those guys all together. Along with some other role players you bring in along the way, come and go there. Hopefully some good, solid ones. And you got yourself a great team. We better bring in a big-name guy to coach this club. Wolves bring in Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden to run the organization. And then there's Garnett kind of like over there, kind of off in the corner, not talking to anybody. And it was the strangest thing. So it's just a whole different whole different ball game now. No Flip Saunders anymore, and there's nothing you can do about it. Garnett kind of bitter about that, about the whole ownership thing. I mean, what's he going to do now? Nobody really knows what's going on with that. That's a mystery. Uh, is, this, is Glenn Taylor still going to... Offer Garnett, a, uh, <laughs> offer Garnett a, a share of the team that he can purchase, or do, or is he is he just going to bolt and say I don't want to be here anymore? It's hard to say, but that's kind of where we stand now with Kevin Garnett uh, after all these years and all the things that took place. You can only imagine the emotions all over the place, mixed emotions with him, with what took place and and uh, situation with Layden and. Uh, Thibodeau, and of course the fact that his close friend Sam Mitchell, close to the club in Flip's stead last season, one of Garnett's best friends in the whole wide world, was basically told, um, we're going in a different direction, thank you very much for filling in for Flip this year. 
click. And it was like a 30-second conversation. Sam Mitchell very pissed off in a conversation with uh, Doogie Wolfson on the Scoop podcast. Very intriguing stuff there. Sam Mitchell furious, basically, with how things took place there. Boy, this is the longest segment I've probably ever done. Whoa, I'm bumping something here. Sorry, I didn't even mean to do that. My thumb there. Um, But, yeah, it's a tough situation. Sam Mitchell, the way he was let go kind of coldly by Glenn Taylor, which is kind of weird, uncharacteristic. I don't really know Taylor to be like that. I I, I don't know. Uh, So hard to say what Garnett's thinking at this stage. But as he retires today, on September 23rd, 2016, I don't usually give out dates, but I should for this one because it's a historic thing. This is a show, an episode that can last a lifetime. This is not about the games the Timberwolves played last week. This is about the Kevin Garnett retrospective, basically. That's basically what it is. I was thinking of doing one of these a long time ago. Um, I would have gone into more detail because it was going to be a different tone of show. But this one, I'm yeah, let's just say a more, much more mild version of what it was going to be. So, because of things that, you know, him coming back and such, kind of toned things down a bit. Um, so, I'm going to read some of the Garnett quotes today as he steps away. Uh, this is on his Instagram. Enig- enigmatic photo. Now, this is, of course, via the Star Tribune. The quotes are coming out. Garnett says, Kevin Garnett says, I'm just thankful, man. I can't ever put that into words. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful for everybody and the love. I never would have thought that people loved me like this, but for it to be reality is something else. We're going to be all right, man. I don't expect this to be easy, but so far, so good. Stay tuned. Hmm. Interesting quote. So far, so good. Stay tuned. We're going to be all right, man. So maybe he is going to be around. Maybe. Uh, As the video ends, the word farewell appears on the screen, followed by thank you. Thank you for the journey. Very interesting. So now you come from the Wolves side of things. This is the Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor. He says, It's been a real joy to watch KG come into the league as a young man and watch him develop his skills to become one of the very best in the NBA. Uh, He says, I have treasured the opportunity to see him grow as a leader. I wish him continued success in the next chapter of his life. His Minnesota fans will always cherish the memories he has provided. So there you go. Um... Those are the quotes of the day, for the most part. Just looking to see if there's anything more kind of hanging around, but no. Uh, Very nice article, though, that I recommend to people to check out here. (laughs) Uh, What was this one? This was... Yep, this is is a quote from... uh, A notable quote from when he walked out to Boston. I still remember him saying, I never went on a cruise. This is not in the Star Tribune. I never went... I've never been on a cruise. He was mocking Kevin McHale there, doing his working so hard in the summer to get free agents that year, wasn't he? Wasn't McHale? (laughs) Yes, McHale was one of the laziest executives in NBA history. Um, But yeah, let's read this really quick from the when he first arrived in Boston. I watched that whole press conference live at the time. He says, I guess at the end of the day, I'm loyal to a point where I feel if someone's loyal to me, then I have no problem with that. Yep. But when that changes, it's pretty easy to move on. So basically, it's it's a shot at the Wolves for trading him. Like for saying, yeah, we're going to, we're looking to trade you. And it kind of, Hurt Garnett's feelings, and then he was like, okay, I guess I'm willing to go, and damn, they have Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, all right. so I guess I'll I guess I'll go, sure. Um, Garnett was also pissed off about the tanking. Uh, Glenn Taylor actually said that Garnett had tanked it by not playing in the final five games that season. Yep, 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 and that's when he got really mad. Uh, and 
Garnett was saying at the time, I have nothing to do with the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's my past, and I'm in a new chapter of my life. Yep. Oh, boy. And I still remember when the uh, Celtics were uh, advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. They asked what fuels you. They had just beaten the Atlanta Hawks in uh, 2012. And he, they said, what fuels you, Kevin? And he said, competition. The owners who talk too much. Because he looked right in the screen. And Marcus, the forecaster. My, you could say former co-host, but always welcome on board. There's always an open invite to him, if he'll take it. If he, if he will. Haven't heard from him lately. He's being Garnett-like lately. Um, he said, uh, basically, like you know who KG was talking to. <laughs> you know who he was talking to. Yes, <laughs> I think we do. Uh, I thought it was the Atlanta owner at times, but because the Atlanta owner was talking too, was calling Garnett cheap and all that. He was saying basically he was kind of a dirty player. But he was talking to probably both of them because he said owners who talk too much. But yeah, I think he was talking to uh, uh, Taylor even more so, without a doubt. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully that will happen. So this was, uh, yes, the press conference when he was coming home hoping to buy the team. He was saying, uh, that's the goal at some point. I want to understand ownership and try to get into that and bring a championship to this city. That's been my goal since I became a Wolf. Yep, so we'll we'll see. We will see, indeed, what's going to happen with that. I I hope he can become a part owner of the club. It, it would be nice. Uh, we're going to, I guess it's just going to be like, stay tuned, like he said on his Instagram. That's the most current uh, quotes from Garnett at this stage. One other quick note that I will mention before we go to a little bit of fan interaction. There's not going to be a whole lot, but I mean, I'll probably back up and pick up where we left off from the previous show as well. Uh, but Nikola Pekovic, already, already, before training camp starts in, in only a week, I can't believe it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But uh, Nikola Pekovic will not play this season due to ankle and Achilles issues, according to owner Glenn Taylor. That's per ESPN. So much for, uh, yeah, so much for Nikola Pekovic. Now, is anybody surprised? Is, is anybody's hand raised? Let's see. Were you in the back? No? Over there? Are you stretching? Okay, you're stretching. Silence. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, Garnett retiring at age 40. Kind of his, his time is up. He's struggling to even get on the car with his knee issues and such. And obviously, it's lingered, some of that's got to be lingered back to his, that injury with the Celtics. That seemed to like really hamper Kevin Garnett for, the, uh, for most of the time there. His time in Boston after the first great season. Um, what a pain for him. That had to suck big time. Um, but it got better for a little while, and once he got to Brooklyn, it seemed to kind of rear its ugly head again. Weird knee injury for Garnett in that situation. So there you go, guys. There you go. 21 years? 21 years. Thank you, Kevin, for the memories. Please, everyone, understand my frustrations with the lack of clutch ability, the lack of go-to, the lack of takeover Garnett had for the majority of his time in Minnesota. And when he didn't have to be that guy in Boston... Look what happened. They were just fantastic. And Sam Cassell was the clutch player in Garnett's MVP season. See, Garnett's an MVP player, but he's not an MVP... Uh, he's not a finisher. That's the one thing. That's that's my conclusion with Garnett's career. Um, please don't run away from my show thinking I'm a Garnett hater and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because actually, odds are, for those of you that think I don't know what I'm talking about, odds are I probably know more than you. <laughs> Because you obviously your mind is closed, which is not good. You weren't at the games seeing what I saw. 
to give a objective analysis or you're too blind with that with the kool-aid or the or the blue and green shades you got to be honest when you assess a player from top to bottom in chicago michael jordan had issues with teammates quite a bit you think somebody wouldn't come out and say that uh, you know i mean if, you know, if you're going to bite someone's head off for being honest about that do you want the whole story or do you just want the the kool-aid story that's what i'm going to leave you with to end this segment so with that, we'll get to some fan interaction right after this. are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, two-segment show. That first segment was a biggie. I think that's a record. <laughs> Biggest segment in the history of Timberwolves Explosion, I gotta think, was segment number one, because it was the Carnet retrospective, and I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I gotta give you the whole story, at least from my perspective. It's from my perspective. You have your own. Uh, respectfully, just kind of go with it as is, and I hope you continue to listen to this show. <laughs> because we got some fun things to talk about in the future with Wiggins and Towns. I love Wiggins. I love Towns. Zach Levine with that catch-and-shoot dynamic, dunking. Sabaz Muhammad, if he hangs around, if we keep him. I hope we do. Contract talks very quiet from uh, with uh, uh, Muhammad and Gorgie at this stage. They're eligible to talk, but odds are they may drag this into restricted free agency next summer. We'll see what happens. Um, Gorgie, you got to keep Gorgie Zhang. Uh, Muhammad is a very good player and could be a very, very strong performer off the bench. And I'd like to keep him too. We'll see what happens though. It's not up to me, is it? It's just not. Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Please click like on the page, join it, and conversate with me. I could really could really use some conversation. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, there is Flip's Army. Flip's Army run by Trevor Wickerin. What a great guy. Got to give him a shout-out, and he's kind enough to allow me to post links to this show on that Facebook page. Do go there, and I know a lot of you have. Tanae Brown and many others have. That's awesome, and thank you for, for doing that and supporting that page. But also, again, continue to post Enterville's Explosion as well. Uh, we'll continue off of... Uh, where I left off, episode 175, back on August 13th. Got a couple comments in there. And Hank McCoy says, Wow, Joey, do you think you could try and call me out any more on that show? And then he posts the Tony Vatana from uh, Scarface saying, You'd wanna, uh, it was, you want to go to war? You want to go to war? I think you're to war. Um, no, I don't want to go to war. You know I love you, Hank. Um, but you were the one that kind of pulled the trigger on something. Um, that uh, it's an inside thing. No, I'm not going to share what it was. You're the one that pulled the trigger, buddy. So don't forget that part. <laughs> you know, um, and I wasn't out to call you out. It's just that's the name of the game. That we're not going to we're not going to agree on the Warriors, Golden State Warriors. It's not going to happen. It's it, it's not. And and it's sports. This isn't life and death. Nobody died. Nobody died. Though some fan bases in Oklahoma City might feel like it at the moment. Especially back on July 1st. What a freaking frustration that must have been for them. But there you go. And you are a warrior after all, my friend. Hank, has, I haven't really heard from him since then. And i got to say this too. Courtside Podcast. Oh, you guys haven't released a show since March 4th. Oh, man, man, man. Vince Germano, Hank McCoy. Hank McCoy, Vince Germano. 
Lord have mercy. You have no idea how much I miss you. Of course, maybe you do have an idea. Oh, I miss you guys so much. And it, it's a shame. I, I hope everything's okay. I know Vince has a lot of things behind the scenes going on. And plus, both of them have extremely busy work schedules. And Hank has kids, Vince has kids, that type of thing. Married with kids, which is, you know, there you go. That's that's the uh, that's the dream right there. Um, I can't say the American dream because they're both from Australia. But you get the idea. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, I really love you guys, and I miss your show so much. And uh, I hope I'm able to give you a decent amount of entertainment with this one. Though you might be kicking me in the in the balls right now for some of the stuff I said about Garnett. But again, that's the name of the game. i got to tell you guys out there, every one of you in Minnesota, Australia, Canada, anywhere, South Dakota, North Dakota, California. Okay, you get the idea. That's the name of the game. This is radio. This is not... The Buddy Bears. We're not going to agree on everything. We're not the Buddy Bears. This isn't... This isn't. <laughs> if you guys watch Garfield and Friends, check that out. The Buddy Bears. I agree, and I agree with you, and I agree with both of you. No, I don't. Sorry, I don't agree. <laughs> I'm not going to agree on everything. So, Joseph Phillips says, thanks for the podcast. Joey Joseph Phillips, also out of Australia, says, I'm also very glad you have not been whining. What's wrong with the USA team after a couple of close games? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really even watch the Olympics much. Up, off and on, yes, I did. But I was pretty quiet, pretty mom about it. Just hoping guys don't get hurt, that type of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not what it was. This, there's no dream team. And, you know, these guys would get smushed by that dream team. You know, if both of them could be that, that, the age they were when they were in the Olympics, that type of thing. Oh, God, that dream team would eat these guys for lunch. Eat them for lunch. Absolutely, positively. My God, was I quiet on Facebook since then. I didn't post anything until just a day ago when the whole news started breaking Wednesday about Garnett potentially announcing his retirement after the buyout is complete. I was saying how nothing lasts forever. The last couple of years, he was pretty much at the end of his rope. Like I was saying, he's on life support. Because he is on life. He, he was on life support. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in his career was on life support. It's just over. 21 years is a long, long, long time. Yet in a lot of ways, it doesn't seem like that long ago. On, on Flip's Army, there's a there's a post. I believe Scott Doherty is the guy's name. He's actually a friend of mine on Facebook. And, of course, a Big Wills fan like a lot of others. Michelle and Marlena and many others. Jeff Johnson. Got to give you a shout. Just, I really like Jeff Johnson. What a nice guy. <laughs> I love that guy. Big old, just gigantic Wolves fan. And um, Again... Guys, that's the name of the game, though, if you don't agree with everything I said. So, again, I mean, you have to be honest. And, you know, I sat there in those season tickets, game in, game out, wanting to win a championship. And, no, and, and it, it, oh, it drove me nuts. But you get the, I think, I think you get my drift by now. I, I think so. But um, Scott Doherty, to the point, I apologize, posted a picture. Garnett was wearing a Michigan Wolverines hat, sitting with McHale and Flip. McHale and Flip were just in their probably their early 40s at the time. We're talking 95 here, man. So Flip must have been 40, just 40 years old, wearing his tennis shoes, kind of a warm-up suit. Flip Saunders looked so young. Glenn Taylor with his hair all kind of awkward, like half balding, half there, half kind of too long. <laughs> kind of funny. So if Glenn Taylor was probably about 50-ish at the time. Good old 95, man. Remember those days? Man, 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 man. Good old 95. McHale looked so freaking young. He'd, he'd, he'd only retired two years ago. 
if you can believe that. He retired after the Celtics uh, lost to the Charlotte Hornets in the first round of the 92-93 season. Um, man. <laughs> so young. And it, and it kind of, yeah, it's like, time really flies, man. I mean, I remember Garnett and Marbury, young up-and-comers, 21, 22 years old, and then the bastard leaves, and, and then we're stuck in this kind of mediocre world. It, it, it's just the old what could have been. What could have been? And, and it's sad. It's like, why couldn't things turn out the way they did with LeBron in Cleveland? I mean, you know, with Randy Moss came back to Minnesota, you know, Randy Moss came back to Minnesota and it just went down the toilet. Garbage. Bad ending. Uh, you know, very sour ending to that one and Childress Shield, doing what he did. And in this case, not nearly as sour, but still just kind of sad, you know, it's just kind of too late, too, too little, too late, that type of thing. The team's too young. And Thibodeau and Layden, I just the relationship's different, you know. It, it, they still get along because Thibodeau and Garnett were in Boston together. Thibodeau was the top assistant with a de- just a great defensive coach, but it's not Flip Saunders. Dom Thibodeau is not Flip Saunders. It's, it's a different ball game. I mean, Flip and Garnett used to be up late at night, like Flip couldn't sleep, and he'd call Garnett because he knew Garnett'd be up, and they'd go to Perkins. Back in the day, man. Back in the late '90s, early 2000s, just back in the day. Could you imagine walking into Perkins or you were an employee? And Mr. Seven Foot One comes through the comes through the door, and then uh, one of the nicest men in the world, Flip Saunders, walking with him. I mean, wow, wow, what an environment that must have been. And I saw Kevin Garnett. Well, I worked at a gas station over ten years ago. I'm embarrassed to say, but I was kind of in a tough time with my job world at the time. But I had to I had to do something along with mowing lawns. <laughs> and this was actually. It ended up being the summer he was traded, but there was a couple months before, June-ish. It was right around the draft when the Wolves had taken Randy Foy. In comes the Range Rover, which Garnett's very well acquainted with Range Rovers over the years because I've seen him more than once with one. He comes out of the... He comes out... Kevin Garnett pumping gas at my holiday gas station. Unbelievable. I mean, how cool was that? Uh, and... Uh, I was kind of too shy to go out and talk to him, and I should have. Um, I should have, but he waved to me, gave the salute, and it was pretty cool. Uh, very awesome. Saw him on the boat on Lake Minnetonka back in uh, 2000. He was on a jet ski, and me and my bro- my brother and his his friends were bullying me the whole damn time. Because <laughs> they're older, and you know how that is. They're just jerks. Yep, that's just how it goes. Uh... Yep, Kevin Garnett's on the Jesse. I wave to him. He gives me that salute. salute. It's just saw him more than once. It was pretty cool. And, uh, and, uh, and Marbury was still here in 1999 during the... See, I'm still going off, aren't I? Or even during the fan section. But I, I have to. It's, it's here for you, man. Just stories. Stories, man. Stories. Stories. That's what we're here for today. Um, I was at the uh, public scrimmage. You know how they used to do that? You don't really get those anymore. I mean, they're like out of state now. But this was back when they used to have it at the Target Center, man. There was Marbury, all bulky, so muscular, going into his final month or two with the Wolves, son of a bitch. And, yeah, I can tell I'm, I'm a little bitter about that. And I was able to reach out and shake Malik Seeley's hand the day the guy arrived on the team. Just the coolest thing ever. Get a high five from Bobby Jackson. Um... And then, as everybody was kind of walking away, Garnett kind of stops. He starts shaking a, a Sharpie, a black Sharpie, and sits down. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Everybody comes running over. What does that mean when a guy's shaking a black Sharpie? Well, that means he's signing autographs, baby. And he just hung around there until 
he stayed there until he signed everybody that's that was still there that I didn't leave yet. And I got a, it was signed KG on a, my my Garnett jersey that I was wearing. I, I was thinking, wait a minute, when am I going to have him sign? And it's like, oh duh, I'm wearing a Garnett jersey. Now of course a retro jersey, not an official one, which would have been really nice and an authentic one. But it's signed KG and it just hung up in the closet ever since. Never wore it again because yeah, it's autographed. I'm not going to wash it. Are you kidding me? So very cool. I do have Garnett's autograph. He had the biggest. He, he I was kind of scared. I was just, oh my god, I'm standing face to face with Garnett, and he, he imitated me, kind of with the, the eyes, like, okay, like, right. I got, and I came up to him, <laughs> he shook a biggest smile on his face, and handed it over to me, and I patted him on the back, thanks, Kevin, and there went, that was my uh, only personal interaction with the kid, because he was still the kid at the time, he was, what, 21 years old, 20, no, 22, 22 going on 23 that May, um, coolest ever, <laughs> Just those eyes. He was making fun of me because that's what he does. Kevin Garnett imitates people. I I was so scared. I I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Because I I was really shy back then, man. (laughs) I mean, I was just 20 years old. I was shy as hell, man. So that's what it was. It was so cool. Okay. Uh, Let's see what people say here. Nobody... Come on now. I'll probably come back to these later. I'm going to have to. Uh, the one where, the next one where Carnet's career draws to a close, Dan May was kind of doing the, the theory, or a couple guys were. Well, who was doing what here? Vince was doing the crying, Dan May was thumbs up, and Becky, Nathan Kindham's uh, mother, was doing the, the, uh-oh, like the wow face. And Vince Germano, of course, out of, out of, why am I blanking now? I, I, I know better. <laughs> Oh, not a, not out of Sydney, but Melbourne, Sydney. I don't know why I was I was trying to say Victoria, but it's like yeah, I know it's Victoria, but Melbourne, duh. And I apologize for that. You 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 know I know where you're from. I'm just so I'm just going in so many circles with all these memories. Uh, he says I'm going to miss the big ticket. Even a 40 year old KG sitting on the bench playing five minutes a night would have been enough for me. Yeah, I mean I I understand. I understand, and it is sad. Um, it it's sad, yes, but it's just. It is what it is, man. I mean, this team wanted to go in a different direction. They probably want the cap space, uh, that type of thing. They want the roster spot, that type of thing. It is what it is. I mean, it's a different group now running the team, regardless if they're friends or not. Uh, hopefully things hang in there. Uh, Garnett's going to be around somehow, some way. I think. I don't think we've seen the last of Garnett with the Timberwolves, but we'll see. So I officially post the Garnett indeed will retire, and I was going to release the show and all that tonight, which I am. Uh, and Vince Germano simply saying, looking forward to it. So there you go. Let's look at the visitor post. i got to think there's a few here. There's probably a bit. Yep, yep, yep. Today, quite a few. Very cool. Ah, oh, boy, that's too far back. July 3rd, August 16th. Joseph Phillips says, watch the first quarter of the Spain-Argentina game yesterday. They showed a few seconds clip of Gasol doing a layup and then Ricky bringing, uh, bricking a mid-range shot. LOL. We still love you, Ricky. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep, the brick of the shooting. Yep, yep, yep. Tanay out of New Zealand saying, by the sounds of things, KG isn't returning as a player next year. What a great career. It's a shame he couldn't bring a championship to Mini, but maybe in another role he will. He was the first player I started following when I was younger. Always loved his passion for the game. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a different NBA without him. Number twenty-one. And here we go. Today, just just a couple minutes ago or hours ago, says Cat Carl Anthony Towns, of course, uh, blacked out his Twitter. 
He's taking this pretty hard. From everything I've read, he loved having the opportunity to work with KG. I think he was really hoping for one more year. And again, I understand. I mean, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't blame... I don't blame Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, others out there. Gorgie Zhang, that was a nice duo right there. Nice relationship. Very similar, too. Uh, Gorgie Zhang got a very similar game to Garnett, actually. Um, not as good. Okay, you get the idea. But, I mean, you know, like I have a similar game to Scotty Pippen. But, of course, I'm not as good. You get the idea. Like, I'm kind of a Pippen-type player, point-forward type of guy. Again, not as good. So you get the idea. It's similar in style. Um, Gorgie may have a good career. And, and it seemed like Gorgie's play really improve with Garnett around just the, the teaching and such invaluable and uh, maybe 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 you know you don't have to be the head coach maybe an assistant Kevin maybe if you're listening which I truly doubt you probably turned it off if you were listening too you probably got pissed off like oh another asshole saying I'm not clutching the fourth quarter well maybe I have a point <gasps> oh damn there he goes yeah there it goes hell no there he goes I mean Nobody's perfect, Kevin. Nobody's perfect. I'm, a, you know, I'm not perfect at all. I mean, I make a lot of mistakes in my job. You know what I'm saying? And they're not the bad. I mean, no, I, I don't make that many. But I'm just, <laughs> I don't mean big mistakes. But I mean like just little stinky little, yeah, like oh geez, that type of stuff. And you, you know, easily correctable. Okay, there we go again. I'm really digging myself a hole now. <laughs> Mr. Pendleton now on Twitter at Wolves Explosion at Wolves Explosion of Vince Germano and Tanae often retweet the show and like it. Thank you guys so much for that. Really appreciate it indeed. Um, yes, this is uh, yes they did both retweet it. Thank you guys so very much for retweeting the Tim Rose Explosion Show episode number one seventy five about a month or so ago. Where is it? Okay, Brett Walters, that was on the last show already. Thank you again, Vince, for that. And some others. Those are actually like porn, like, yeah, retweeting it or liking. I don't know why. I don't know what's up with that. They're just trying to get me to look at their stuff. Yes, uh, Vince and Tanae were posting a Bleacher Report about the 76ers. GM Billy King said AI wanted to be traded to Minnesota to play with Garnett back in 2006, and supposedly it was kind of close. And I was saying, well, it seemed like Alan Iverson was... I don't know. I mean, he was kind of a ball uh, kind of. He was really a ball hog. It would have been an interesting combination in terms of keeping the defense honest, inside-outside and inside-outside. And it seemed like Iverson, right around that time, was very quickly headed towards decline. Um, Hank was saying, or Vince was saying, I don't know. He had some decent years in Denver when I was kind of saying, I don't know, guys. And then Tanae was saying, I would have loved it. Eh, it was one of my favorite players growing up. I understand, and I I don't know. I'm not the big, uh, a big Allen Iverson side. Maybe that's my bias, or your bias is the other way. You like, you really liked him growing up. I kind of didn't, or not growing up, but like teen, uh, you know, young adult years. Um, Tanae's a little bit younger than me and Vince, that type of thing. Me and Vince, pretty close, similar generation there. Um, he had some decent years in Denver, but he wasn't as good uh, at that stage. By the time he got to Detroit, it was like, whew, boy. I don't know. And by the time he went back to Philadelphia, I was like, yeah, just just, just retire, dude. Uh, yep, and then Tanae was saying, I forgot Billups was there. Yep, he was in Detroit. He was actually in Minnesota at one point, too. I wonder how much we would have had to give up. Yeah, because, yeah, Detroit, and Billups was in Denver. It was really good. Billups was really good in Denver. Um, and then they traded. Yeah, Billups was... It gets confusing. 
who went where. It drives me crazy, actually. But, um, yeah, when Phillips was in Denver, he was really good. Better than what Iverson was in Denver, to be quite honest. But then they traded, uh, yeah, I mean, when they, uh, the... It gets weird. Yeah, they traded. Yep. Allen Iverson was in Denver. That's what it was. Allen Iverson was in Denver. And he was decent there. Not as good. But then they traded Billups away to Denver. And then Denver got way better when Billups was there. So you notice a great improvement with that. Iverson comes to Detroit and kind of stunk up. The Giant wasn't the same player anymore. And it was kind of quick. Though that was years after 06. So maybe the Wolves would have had a shot. It would have been a last-ditch effort for the Wolves to go after something big. Because... By the next year again, by 07, Garnett was traded. So maybe the summer of 06, something could have happened, and it could have been a better year, the 06-07 season, which was very depressing. A very depressing season where the Wolves fired Dwayne Quaid's Casey with a 500 record, only to bring in Randy Whitman, and it was just all downhill from there. And next thing you know, Garnett was traded to Boston, that type of deal. So let's see where else we're going here. Mr. Pendleton, this is wraps up the Twitter account. At this point, why not let him be on the roster home game one, and then announces retirement. Uh, I don't know. It would have been a... I've never seen that happen before, but an uh, interesting thought there, I suppose. I'm going to give him a follow, see if he hopefully he follows back, but I don't know. I'm <laughs> being maybe a little bit too nice, but you get the idea. I was telling... Uh, T-Wolves Army was saying, what are your thoughts of KG buyouts? Uh, discussions, Wolves Nate, and I was saying, I see it as he's 40 years old, and his time is up. It's been a long, long, long ride, and it's been a joy watching him 21 years. So that's about it. Uh, this show, longer than I was thinking of doing it. Just one of those things where you just go on and on and on and on about the history. And I hope you guys enjoyed the endless stories. That's the part of the show that can make, that can you probably end up liking even though it's long. But there's just so many stories. There's more to get to, that type of thing. And I want to thank you guys for your involvement with the show. And very soon we'll have a season preview. We may have a training camp thing before that. We'll see what happens. But a season preview is going to be in the works here. At least by the end of October, at the very latest, we'll have a season preview show, maybe just a week or two from now, anything like that. Those of you that also like hockey, Brave the Wild, we're going to have a season preview for that very, very soon. As training camp has already started for the Minnesota Wild. Very exciting there. And Vikings, of course, Purple Mafia show. Do check that out. Do enjoy it. It's around. It's out. And I released it already. That show's doing pretty well. Not spectacularly, but pretty well. And that team is going through quite a bit right now with injuries. Yeah, they're still surviving and playing well. And very cool for that. Really looking forward to this upcoming season. Again, I want to wish Kevin Garnett the best here. And I would like to see him stick around in the organization as long as he doesn't blow up the place like he did during the lockout uh, in um, 2011. That was really frustrating how... Garnett's bad side came out again during that lockout. That's another miniature story here at the end. <laughs> it was kind of frustrating how when he came in the room, he kind of separated the... He kind of created more separation than help between the players and owners. But, ah, well, whatever. That's just Garnett being Garnett, I suppose. He can be a little bit big-mouthy at times, and that's how it goes. Thank you again, Kevin. It's been wonderful. Uh, it was great to see you come back again and play and bring some energy to that court. It's a shame it was a little bit too little too late, but at least, at least we got to see in that Wolves jersey for uh, like a, another year and a half or so. Thank you so much for that, and God bless you, and we'll see you again soon. 